Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're so glad you guys are here. And we are here to talk about how to invest the way Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett do, except for today. (laughs) What do you mean, except for today? (laughs) Well, today we are going to take advantage of the fact that we are very little teeny investors, and that makes us nimble. And today we're going to talk about indicators that it's time to exit the market. And oh my these, gosh, we're going to talk about the indicators. Yes, and these are not things that Warren and Charlie use. So uh, w- out of concern, I, I hope we don't incur the wrath of the grandfathers as we step into this, but these are indicators that I've used successfully for the last almost 20 years and to basically give me the final trigger to exit the market. Now, I don't use them exclusively by any means, but I do use them and I've never taught you how to do this. So well, this you're tr- you might not be triggering Charlie and Warren, but you're triggering my wrath because last week you blew this bomb up of, and by the way, I use indicators and I had never heard you talk about this before. So yeah, I want to hear but, what this thing is and decide if I but um, you did, you did something a little different than what the gurus say. So this is not any kind of a requirement. This is not something you need to do to invest well. In fact, a lot of really good investors would argue that this is uh, a, a um, this is a a really bad idea. So I'm just putting you on notice here that that people who do value investing don't typically enter and exit the market on a set of signals. And and I'm going to be really blunt here. Um, this may not work for you, and they may not work in the future. It's just that it's been pretty successful for me in the past. And so I'm just going to say that right up front. That it, full full disclaimer here. And full disclosure is that these things are not widely used in the value investing community. These are more trading tools and that the fact that they've worked in the past doesn't mean that they'll work in the future. Nonetheless, I think there's a value for you to learn this, Danielle. Now, what are they when you say indicators? What is that? All right. So there are two kinds of things that you can look at, two big categories of things you can look at to determine whether to buy a stock or sell a stock or whether to be in the market or be out of the market. The first group we talked about last time, which is fundamental indicators. That is things that would indicate to you a certain direction or a certain value of the market, okay? Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the Buffett indicator. We talked about the Schiller PE or the CAPE. Um, And and we talked about interest. Oh, we talked about inflation. Yeah, interest rates as well. Interest rates, yeah. Right? So we have three fundamental indicators. That means fundamental indicators mean that they have, they were dealing with facts in the real world about the price of things um, uh, the, or the interest rate of things. So these are, these are facts we can look up. And as we've learned, both, uh, well, Robert Schiller got a Nobel Prize for building an indicator and proving mathematically that it is absolutely valid to say that the market can be overpriced and underpriced and you'll do better if you buy it when it's underpriced. Duh. But that's a huge, huge explosion in the world that he lives in as an academic at Yale 
Uh, that's, an ex- that's throwing a nuclear bomb into the academic world because the whole academic world believes that um, the market is priced correctly all the time. So when he proved that it isn't, it's a, it's a nuclear bomb blowing up modern portfolio theory, which we've been blowing up here steadily for two and a half years. So this is no news to us, but it's big news to the academics. That's an indicator now, an indicator. Um, his Schiller PE is an indicator of the future performance of the market. So when you see the Schiller at 32, it's an indicator that the future performance of the market is very likely to be bad hmm. compared to good if you had a Schiller PE at, let's say, 10. Okay, so that's an indicator right. uh, for the future. Right. And it tells us something. It, it, it's no guarantee of future, future where the market's going, but it's an indicator. That's why we call it an indicator instead of a fact. Right. It's just yeah, good point. Right. And when you when you see a when you see a um, a hoof print on the ground, it's an indicator that a horse went by. Right. If you can read it well. Yeah. So it, but it doesn't mean the horse didn't turn around and go the other way later. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so the other indicator that we talked about was the Buffett indicator, which is the Wilshire uh, the ratio between the Wilshire index and the GDP. So that one is when, when the Wilshire index is priced more than GDP. That's a pretty good indicator the market's overpriced and it's not likely to do well in the future. That's, of course, where we are right now at 155%. Wilshire is 155% of GDP. So that's an indicator that the future won't be good for the market. But again, these are just indicators. Now, yeah. we want to add more. All and right, what's, so, a, what's a technical indicator compared to these fundamental indicators? A technical indicator is something that's looking at the stock prices of, oh. the, of, the, of specific stocks. I mean, you can apply these indicators to any stock, but I'm going to apply them today just to the major indexes, to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, D, which is a, a, an index of the 30 biggest, most powerful companies in, in America. Um, that's called the Dow Jones Industrial Index, and I can track it with an exchange-traded fund called DIA, or Diamonds, and the symbol is DIA. Okay. So we're going to track the Dow Jones, which is a, a surrogate for the market. So when somebody says, oh, the market's going up or the market's going down, they could typically be talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500 Index, um, which has... <clears throat> an exchange-traded fund called SPY, or spiders, SPY. So these two major indexes are what people are referring to when they say the market's going up or the market's going down. Okay, and you're looking specifically at their prices. And I'm looking specifically at the prices of those indexes on these exchange-traded funds, DIA and SPY. Okay, all right, and let's just start with a, an idea of what these indicators are. Yeah, so, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Right. What, so when you say with, technical indi- indicators, what are the technicalities? So what's happened is that trading, people who trade or traders are always looking for some kind of edge on the market to trade it. And they'll develop tools um, and have developed tools ever since we started having computers. And even before that, just with pencil and paper, tools that would maybe predict the future. And these tools are called technical trading tools or technical trading indicators. And as over time, um, 
individuals who developed these tools made them available to other traders and talked about them at conferences and they gradually entered into the into the industry as uh, indicators that are often relied on by traders hmm. and so uh, one of these for example is the moving average so this is an indicator um, a psychological uh, of, of the psychology of the market essentially hmm. and what it does is it essentially takes the price of the index since we're just talking about indexes here it takes the price of the index and it averages it over time so it's called a moving average because the price is moving and we're averaging this moving price over some period of time. And so you this, take a certain period of time, like right. six months or five years, and you take an average of that at this moment mm -hmm. and then plot a point. I don't know how often they calculate it, but let's say like every day, then so tomorrow you would have a new average of that time period of the exactly. last six months. So you would lose the last day and add a new day and thereby right. the average would move. Pretty close, except that there's a really, uh, a little bit tweak here on just what you defined. And that is that if I say that the period that I'm going to use this on is six months, then I'm only going to add a new, um, a new dot on, on, on the moving average line. I'm only going to average a new dot every six months. Oh. So let's, let's shake that down to a lot tighter time frame. Let's say that we were going to look at uh, the moving average <clears throat> on a daily basis. All right. So the period would be one day. And then we would want to know, okay, well, how many one day periods are we averaging? Yeah. All right, so we could say, let's average 30, that's a month. Let's average 30 one-day periods. Okay, now we've got something that we can play with. So we take the, the last 30 days of price on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and we average those prices. We take every single day, add them all up, and divide by 30. Mm -hmm. And that is a point now on a line that we're going to start right now. So that's our first dot. Sure. All right. So let's say on the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, index or, or exchange-traded fund, that that point is, let's say, 200. So, okay, now we're going to put a dot and we're going to start making a line. Now, the next day, the, the, the moving average goes up, or sorry, the Dow Jones goes up to 210. And so now we drop off the day, 30 days ago and we add a new day and now we yeah. average that new point in which is what, what i just described except that i was <clears throat> using a six month period instead of a 30 day period right okay good then, then i think you got it right wasn't sure if you were you would you would plot it well see the difference was you wouldn't plot that every day you if you're using a six month period day, even though you well, just described plotting it every day Okay, okay, so I'm sorry. Here's, here's how I would, would restate that. If we're using a daily period and we want to do what would be called the six-month moving average, right, with daily periods, then what you said is exactly right. Okay, so it sounds like it's just a question of semantics of, like, titling it properly because you made a great point that there's really two components. One is the overall length of time and the other is – 
uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like how often you plot it. Yeah, those are called periods. Okay. Right. So if our periods are daily, then we can set any sort of length of time. Like we can have a 30-day moving average, a a 10-day moving average, a 50-day moving average. By the way, all three of those are used very commonly. Mm. 50-day, 30-day, 10-day, and 200-day. So 200-day moving average. And then some people will plot the line twice. They'll plot one for the moving average for 200 days, and they'll plot another one for a moving average of 50 days. And when those cross, that becomes a very significant indicator that the market direction is changing. When they cross. Right. Tell me about that. Well, the 50-day moving average is going to be moving faster than the 200-day moving average because you're plotting it over a longer period of time, right? So So you're imagining this on a graph. Yeah. And that the line, each plot has a line between it. So it's making a, you know, some sort of curved, lovely looking thing, or maybe sure. it's totally janky and up and down. Sure. Well, it's actually not going to be really janky and up and down because the whole point of this thing is to smooth out all that jankiness that happens in the real market and to, to get a fairly smooth line. And that is why we average over time Okay. to smooth it all out. And so, <clears throat> obviously, if you're plotting a, a daily period, 200-day uh, moving average, the next day that you plot isn't going to change that 200 days all that much because you've got 200 data points in there. Sure. Yeah, I understand. Whereas, whereas if you're plotting a 50-day, it's going to change it more. I see. I see. So the shorter period or the shorter, what do you call it? If each day is a period, then what do you call the overall length of time? I don't know what the name is of that. The, the so let's call it the overall length of time. The overall so length if of you time. Ch- <laughs> if you change, or I, the shorter the overall length of time, the more the change is going to show up. Whereas a longer period obviously is more smoothed out and right. um, each individual period will not have as much of an effect. Right. So this 200-day, 50-day cross on the moving average is used by a lot of people. I don't use that. I use something else that gives me something similar, but I use, I use the stuff that I'm just used to. So <clears throat> there's okay. a lot of, the point is there's a lot of indicators. Moving average is one of them. And there's probably, I'm going to ballpark it. There's another 100, 150 that are used a lot. What? Yeah. 150 <clears throat> of these different things. Sure. God, because amazing because people are always looking for something that's going to give them the future they were looking for the crystal ball right yeah and traders in particular are trading on such short-term basis that fundamentals don't often really matter to them at all Mm -hmm. because that you know the fundamentals are maybe changing quarterly and and you could argue even annually they don't change that much whereas a trader is is trading on you know sometimes minutes sometimes hours Weeks would be long for a trader. So they're going to use technical signals that'll give them some indication of the future. Now, I have to tell you, I wrote about this extensively in rule number one. Oh, what did you say? Well, since you read the book, you know that what I said was... (laughs) I totally read the book and I told you I forgot pretty much everything in it right away. Including Um, that I'd ever talked about indicators at all. Yeah, clearly, because it's like blowing my mind since last week. Um, Okay, I'm trying to think back. 
So I talked Here's about- Here's my guess. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here's what I think you said. I think you said, these can be useful, but don't rely upon them. Yet know of them and use them for your own purposes, but make sure that you understand the fundamentals as well. Pretty good, except that I really went a little farther than that in rule number one. Okay. <laughs> I also said, and when the stock price is trending up, when the stock price is trending up, you can use these technical indicators once you've picked a good company based on the fundamentals, as I've taught you to do, mm-hmm. and that is underpriced, as I've taught you to do, then you can use these indicators to enter and exit and trade it more aggressively um, so that you'll avoid being in the stock when it takes a big drop. Now, I also warned that these indicators will make, give you the death of a thousand cuts if the stock is trending down. So death of a thousand cuts. And I wanna tell you real, right straight up, while these have worked for a lot of people, they are also pretty dangerous. And so I wrote payback time to back away from the, the technical indicators for the average investor who should just be looking to buy a company and stockpile into it. That's very interesting. So you started, you've done three books now. Mm-hmm. Book number one said useful for essentially timing. Timing. The stock. The yeah. Number book number two, you said not so much. Let's back away from that. Book number three doesn't even mention these things, and your co-author didn't even know about them. By the way, book number three is invested out right now. Very exciting. And the reason is, is because I've been teaching other people to do this now, um, really since 2008. I started the first class then. And I have just dis- I've discovered as a teacher that sometimes what works for the teacher doesn't necessarily work for the student. And you have to get if you're going to teach something, you have to teach it in a way that everybody can do it. Hmm. And so over this period of time, I've learned that um, maybe I was just lucky with those indicators, or maybe they work for somebody that's going to be pretty aggressively on top of the market every day. Um, But what I found is that for your average person that's learning to invest, what we're teaching in the book invested is dead on. And that's what we're teaching at the class now in the workshop. So the the workshop has backed away from indicators and invested. We never even talked about them. But at the workshop, we do teach these three indicators the way I'm going to teach you now. Okay. Tell me what they are. And then I think this might be a longer discussion. So we might have to throw it a little bit to next week. Okay, so, and fair enough, because this is really a subject where I hesitate to get into it because I don't want people to get burned by indicators that are not the final determinant unless you use them like I do. So let me just reiterate, Danielle, that it's really important that we understand that what I'm teaching you now is is to give us an idea about how the market's likely to perform in the future. And there's, we hear this really clearly, okay, everybody, really clearly. There's no need to use these indicators if you are already investing the way I'm teaching you, Danielle. I frankly have zero plans to use 
Good. any of these indicators. Good. But I because still, I still want to know what they are, just so I know what you were talking about. The reason I, I brought them back into the class after not using them for a while is because so many of our students have money in 401ks mm. and, 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 uh, individual, and individual IRAs that, and they, they're, they're nervous that they, they don't have their money in individual stocks that they're confident about the value. Yeah. And the market right now is so volatile, like all over the place. And it's really causing a lot of attention to it. And people are, that fear is starting to bubble a little bit. I can tell. Well, it's bubbling for good reason. I mean, look at what we talked about last week with the Wilshire and the Schiller, both of them screaming that the future is going to be pretty meager as far as long-term investing and that a drop is coming. And that, and, and we know that the market can be irrational for the next couple of years and continue to drive those indicators to the moon because we've seen it before. But we know that in a couple of years, it's going to get rational. And when that happens, see ya. And then those indicators are detailed in our book with good reason for using them. Yep, for sure. Give me the three indicators. Okay. I'm, I'm, as you see, I'm working it up to it slowly (laughs) so that we put it in context that this is really really, good. I'm glad you're doing that. Really for you. If you're, you're stuck in a 401k, you're a baby boomer. You don't have 20 years. You cannot afford this market to take that 401k down 50%. And you're scared right now that this is going to do it again. But you're also scared right now that you don't have enough money to retire on. And if the market's going to double again, you need to be there. You see the quandary? It's a horrible rock and hard place problem here that I, I don't have enough money to retire on. I need this to grow. If I take my money out now and it doubles, I'm just going to want to shoot myself. Yeah. And, and if I don't take my money out now and it drops 50%, I'm really going to shoot myself. So what do I do? That's where the fear comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you're absolutely right also that these technical indicators are not necessarily reliable. They're, they're not necessarily reliable. And there's a certain amount of subjectivity attached to these things. It's not just a black and white pull the trigger. I mean, you can make it black and white, pull the trigger, but you're going to have more, more risk involved with that a little bit. So it, it, I'm going to, I'm going to get to what they are here in a second, but just let me really paint the picture here that this is taking you into danger territory and there's no reason to go there. If you have plenty of money to retire on, stay with the market. You don't, if you don't need to learn to invest, then follow the advice of your financial advisor don't try to time the market. Just, hey, be glad you've got a lot of money there. And if it goes down by 50%, you're going to sit on it and wait for it to recover. And we're in America. We're a great nation. It will recover. And we will see a better stock market in the, tomorrow. And you'll be so glad you did that if the market doubles again, which it could do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the market can be irrational and double again. And, you know, who knows the impact of all the things that Trump is doing. Maybe they're going to be good. Maybe they're not. So we don't have a crystal ball. Let's get that really, really clear here. We don't have a crystal ball. And if you are at all concerned about what I'm talking about, please seek advice from your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, which is often the case for people who are listening to this podcast, certainly you is don't for have me. one, yep, then, okay, then, then I'm going to teach you some things that are dangerous. 
Okay, these well, these can be dangerous. I just want to know what they are. I don't know if we need to like learn them, you know? Right. So let me just tell you what they are. Well, the good news is they're not hard to learn. Um, okay. The bad news is they're not hard to learn and anybody can use them. So you, you become scarily dangerous to yourself. So here's what they are. Now, these are the indicators that I use uh, for myself for many years. And again, the past success doesn't mean the future will be good. So here's what they are. The first, and these are laid out in the book, rule number one, by the way. So if you get the book, you can read them. Um, but I'm going to teach you a little different way to use them right now. So the first one is the moving average. Now, this is a psychological tool. This is what indicates to a lot of traders in the market, people who are moving money around, which means pretty much everybody out there is um, out there working to try to make uh, a high return on their funds and they're staying in stocks for, for 90 days. A lot of these people do use indicators like this. So the moving average tells them something about the psychology of the market. Moving average. And this is the price of that particular index averaged over time. And the very common one is a 30-day period. That means every day you drop off the, the, the day 30 days ago, you drop off that number, add today's number, average by 30, and put a new point on the line. 30-day moving average. 30 All right. Moving average. Indicator number one. Number one. Second indicator, and this is on daily periods. These are commonly used on daily periods. Now, this isn't how I use them, but I'm just teaching you the way the world uses them predominantly is on daily periods. Okay. <laughs> okay. What so a the, funny distinction to make. Well, it's because the we do things differently almost all the way, right? So here's here's the second one. The second one is called an MACD. That's Mike Alpha Charlie Delta. Okay. So MACD, and it stands for Moving Average Convergence Divergence. Okay. Now, this tool is commonly thought of as a momentum tool. This is one that watches <clears throat> as momentum's building and declining or convergence of, of money over time or a divergence of money over time. And so... What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to get hammered on that one. Okay. Let's leave it for now. We're going to get into it next time. What's the third one? Well, wait, the, 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 the MACD is a, is a monster because it's comparing multiple moving averages over periods, over, over using a single period, multiple time periods um, to, to drive convergence divergence. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I know you love that one. All right. The third one is called a stochastic, stochastic. Stochastic. Yep. And a stochastic is, is often thought of as a contrarian tool. It's going to tell you periods of overbuying and overselling. So that's what it's looking for. And it also is using time periods to look at these averages of price over time. Um, so each one of these is price related over time, built in different ways trying to track different things and they're all they're all quite different now the reason where i'm using these three is because i was sort of happened onto them just reading a lot of stuff and then kind of trained in these three and they're they're fairly commonly used and i've just used them a lot 
it's not that these three are better crystal balls than somebody else's crystal balls. They're all kind of opaque crystal balls a little bit, and it's a little bit just sort of trying to read clouds. But still, there's some value to reading clouds if everybody's reading the cloud the same way and acting on it, right? So if I'm looking at clouds and you're looking at clouds and we see this one cloud and I go, oh, look, Danielle, that's a train. And you go, no, it's a bunny, right? That would be just goofing around nonsense and playing a game if it wasn't that people are betting a lot of money based on what the cloud looks like. So if, yeah. I'm, if I'm right that, let's just be a huge example here, exaggeration, 90% of the people trading money out there look at this cloud and see a train, and almost no one looks at the cloud and sees a bunny. And they trade on it because it's a train, then you would be making a mistake to constantly insist that it's a bunny. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm pretty sure I totally disagree. But I'm going to leave that right there. And next week, we're going to talk about you the mean average, Wait, the, you and the stochastic technical you, indicators. You're going to leave it like that. You totally disagree. I got to leave it with like the that. the cloud and the train. I got to leave it like that. Oh, my God. We're going to leave it like that. All right. Well, until next week, <laughs> you all go outside and look at the clouds and see if you see a train or a bunny. And that's about as useful as following these tools to many people. <laughs> Check out our book, Invested, because we are so excited to get into it coming up soon as well. And it has all the information about the fundamental indicators in there that we're now building upon, which is actually pretty cool. I'm kind of excited about this. Yep, very cool. So until then, time to go play, guys. We'll see. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three-day transformational investing workshop for free, where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, as our lawyers want me to say, everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, and my opinion's right, and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play. <laughs>